A reading from the book of Acts, chapter 10, beginning in verse 27. And as Peter talked with Cornelius, he went in and found that many had assembled. And he said to them, You yourselves know that it is unlawful for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone profane or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. Now may I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius replied, Four days ago, at this very hour, at three o'clock, I was praying in my house, and suddenly a man in dazzling clothes stood before me. He said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your alms have been remembered before God. Send, therefore, to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying in the home of Simon, a tanner, by the sea. Therefore, I sent for you immediately, and you have been kind enough to come. So now all of us are here in the presence of God to listen to all that the Lord has commanded you to say. Then Peter began to speak to them. I truly understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. You know the message he sent to the people of Israel preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That message spread throughout Judea beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John announced. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. How he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are witnesses to all that he did both in Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and allowed him to appear, not to all people, but to us who were chosen by God as witnesses and who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one ordained by God as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astounded that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter said, Can anyone withhold the water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? So he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they invited him to stay for several days. This is one of our sacred texts. Thanks be to God. Our Bible story from last week about the Ethiopian eunuch is an amazing tale that concludes with Philip being whisked away by the Spirit and magically appearing in another location, which feels a little far-fetched even for a Bible story. Either God was in a big hurry that day and felt like showing off, or the writer embellished the story just a bit. That or Philip was not a muggle. 
this unusual ending to the story, in addition to the fact that the whole thing took place on a lonely wilderness road with no eyewitnesses, might compel us to be dismissive of this story and suspicious of whether God really does want to save Ethiopians and eunuchs with any regularity. This was a one-time event so fanciful in nature, it stands out as an anomaly, unlikely to be repeated. Like in the Old Testament, when God spoke to Balaam through the mouth of a donkey. You don't have to deny it happened to believe it's unlikely to happen again. I've been told before that, well, perhaps God could call a woman to preach. After all, God even used a donkey. Yes. <laughs> so sure, maybe in extreme and unusual circumstances, God might endorse the baptism of an Ethiopian eunuch. But we shouldn't start to, like, expect it as a matter of course. We don't know whether the Apostle Peter had heard about Philip's spirit-led encounter with the eunuch, whether he chalked it up to one of God's rare mysteries, or whether he was oblivious to it. We do know that it took some convincing before Peter himself was willing to go to the Gentiles. When we pick up the story today in Acts chapter 10, Peter is already at Cornelius's house. But you may remember God had to send Peter a vision in order to get him on his feet and out of the house. In fact, Peter needed to see the vision three times before he understood and accepted it as a word from the Lord. In fact, he still hadn't quite got it worked out in his own mind when there was a knock at the door. And the Spirit said this to Peter, Look, three men are searching for you. Now get up, go down, and go with them without hesitation, for I have sent them. Without hesitation can also be translated without distinction. The root of the word in Greek means to make a distinction between two alternatives. Luke Acts scholar and Baylor professor Michael Parsons notes that, quote, the primary connotation is for Peter to go without hesitation, but the sense of without discrimination cannot be far from the surface. Peter was having the discrimination purged out of him, and he wasn't supposed to take his sweet time about it. He was just supposed to go and be with. He may have needed that vision three times, but once there were human beings in front of him, no more hesitating. He didn't tell his visitors, wait a minute, I've got to go consult my commentaries on the scripture passages about Gentiles. No, the text says he invited them in to be his guests. What happened when Peter arrived at the house of Cornelius proves that the thing with the Ethiopian was not just some spectacular, unrepeatable fluke. Because Cornelius' house is full of people, and the Gentiles receive the Holy Spirit in clear view of many surprised witnesses. Peter's words echo that of the eunuchs when he says, 
Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. This is the reoccurring miracle of the book of Acts and the post-resurrection age. God keeps pouring God's spirit on all people without hesitation or distinction. As Peter said to the large gathering at Cornelius' house, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. Peter began his sermon to them like this, You yourselves know that it is unlawful for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone profane or unclean. So I was sent for, I came without objection. I wonder if you and I were to examine our hearts, where would we find that we still harbor objection? In what area of our lives do we still feel entitled to our judgments? As if the self-righteous withholding of love will be viewed by God as an act of religious savvy rather than an act of bigotry. I received a new foster baby this week and I was holding her tiny body in my arms and I was praying because I didn't want to lose another baby. I wanted to somehow secure her in my arms forever with my prayers. But then I was reminded, I think by the Spirit, that there is another mother in this story, the biological one, and she also doesn't want to lose her baby. And God, our mother, also loves her and wants her to succeed. God loves me and doesn't wish for me to experience more loss or more grief. But I'm not the only child of God in this scenario, and God does not show partiality. God is always rooting for us both. Birth mom, foster mom, God loves us all. This is hard because it means I can't cling to this baby as only mine. I have to accept multiple people as part of the unfolding story, and I'd feel safer if it was just the baby and me. But it usually is fear that keeps us from seeing another person as God's beloved. We are afraid that if we let them in, we will lose something. Countries worry. If we let in the refugees, what will happen to our jobs our safety, our resources, the comfort of having everyone speak our language. Congregations worry. If they become open and affirming, will the gay people take over the church? As if that should be a cause for concern rather than celebration, that gay people finally have a church. We worry that about accepting the poor in our midst. Will they take advantage of us? Will they manipulate the system? Will they misuse my five dollars? 
We worry about the young people and their newfangled ideas. We worry about the old people and their attachment to the way things are. We worry and we worry and we worry until we forget that this Christian life is not about holding on to what we have or getting what we want. This community of Christ is always about love, giving it, receiving it, and having the prejudice purged out of us on a regular basis. It's uncomfortable to remember that God loves the other person just as much as God loves me. Because it means I might not get what I want. I might have to share. I might even lose something. Of course, there is also much to be gained. But in order to receive the blessing with open hands, that means I have to loosen my grip on what I think is mine and mine only. Why would I ever let go and be open unless the very Spirit of God convert me into love. My friends, love doesn't grab. We often mistake our clinging for love. We love it so much we try to hold on. This is how we trick ourselves into thinking our fear is righteous. We cling because we think we can preserve and protect things like we are doing God a favor by erecting these walls and keeping out change. All the while, the Spirit is knocking on the door saying, Open, open, invite us in to be your guest. I think it's important to add here that love is allowed to be discerning and allowed to set boundaries. Being open doesn't mean you have to tolerate what is toxic. You don't have to accept abuse. You don't have to accept injustice. What would have kept Peter from accepting the Gentiles was a preconceived notion of what was clean and unclean, pure and impure. He had based these judgments on scripture, so of course he thought he was right. But the Spirit of God had other plans. And thank goodness Peter had the wits or the heart to listen and be transformed. So here is your invitation for today. Take that person you are silently judging and carve out a little space in your heart where they can rest. Take that thing you are so afraid of losing and loosen your grip as an act of trust. Find yourself led by the Spirit into a love you didn't know was possible. And with the clutter of your certainties cleared away, find yourself at home in God and God in home at you, in you. Amen.